Hello, my name is Don Love, and I am one of the elders here. I'm on the teaching team and then also on the prayer team. And we've been talking a bit about uh, 1 Corinthians 15, specifically talking a bit about the gospel. And you'll remember a while back whenever I taught, I taught a bit about um, the need for us to tackle this first battleground of our hearts and our minds before we actually attempt to conquer other things that we see in culture. Uh, one of the things I want to start off with today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some words that the enemy has kind of taken over or obscured, uh, because a lot of the battle is a battle of the mind, and as part of that battle of the mind, it's a battle of language. And people who can be able to earn certain words or use certain words, own certain words, they're then able to control the conversation. And if you can be able to obscure words, then you can get it so that people don't talk to each other well because the words don't connect with each other well. But I want to talk a little bit about man camp first. Um, this week, um, just this past weekend, we went to man camp. And one of the things we did was we shot bow and arrows. And it was interesting. We had five kids in a row lined up with the bows and arrows. And they would be all shooting at once. And that made it a little bit hard to see who is that one that was actually shooting the bow and hitting the top of the barn. There were some that went the whole way over the barn. I didn't see anybody intentionally trying to shoot up over the barn. And I actually got curious and looked up online. There actually are ways for you to aim a bow and arrow at the target and still have it curve depending upon how you line it up on the arrow, line it up on the string. Um, it's neat. You can actually shoot around a barrel and hit something on the other side of the barrel by aiming it at an angle and going around the corner. But I didn't see anybody intentionally trying to shoot things that they weren't supposed to shoot. I didn't hear anybody get rebuked for what they were trying to do. Everybody was trying to hit the target, but hardly any of us hit the target. I think the idea was we, we didn't hit the bullseye, but we hit the target. The hard thing was we were so far away. And I wondered, why are we so far away? But then once I started seeing the arrows flying into the barn through the cracks of the barn, I realized, oh, that's probably why we're so far away. So we're going to be talking a little bit about hitting the mark. Um, whenever you look at the definition of sin, normally the conversation is going to start off, and almost every conversation that I've heard of concerning sin is it's missing the mark. And so when I think whenever we're looking at this, this target analogy, there's something here concerning hitting the mark that I think is worth us looking at. As long as we're trying to hit the target, if we think about this from the standpoint of um, from Jesus, when he talks about the law, he talks about how the law is um, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. And the idea is we're trying to aim for this perfect law of love. And the idea is if we hit the target, then we don't hurt anybody else. Now, one of the things is if we look at this, um, this makes people a little nervous. I didn't talk and ask permission for anybody to do this today. So one of the things, if we look at the target, uh, many of us would be, okay, you don't know my skills necessarily. Lucas actually offered to hold the target, like when he was standing up here. I just thought, this is an amazing illustration. So we'll get Lucas to come and hold this. Well, now we won't. This. So one of the things we need to be considering is the idea is if we're hitting the target, we're hitting love. If we're hitting outside of the target, we're not hitting love. Now, let me illustrate this. So I put the target over here, for example, and I start aiming this direction. Just, just trust me on this. I'm really good at this. Let's see. Um, really good at this. And the, the issue is, I'm not, I don't even have the string pulled back. It's not loaded, right? And, but yet some of you are getting a little nervous, right? Because what if I miss? But trust me, I'm not going to miss because I'm, I'm aiming here for, for love, right? Um, if I redefine love, that might make things a little bit difficult. But we'll, we'll look at that here in a minute.
And by the way, um, those of you who like filling out, uh, filling out things, I gave you one. There's uh, a thing to fill out. If not, we'll put it up online so you can be able to get it later. I want to look at a couple verses today, a couple passages to give us some background on what we're talking about. If you guys will look here at our first verse in 1 John chapter 1 through 2. This is the message we've heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we haven't sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says we abide in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. So a couple things here in summary. The first thing is there's a major emphasis here in love. And there's a major emphasis also in having, I just read the entirely wrong verse. Let me see here one second. One second here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to double back because... Um, I don't want to reread that passage. All right, so here's a couple things that we need to say here concerning this. The first one is the way that way to fellowship is through God and people um, by walking in the light. The second thing is the way that we have God's perfect love is to keep God's perfect word. Um, it's possible for us, to, uh, for us to not sin and abide in God. And also Jesus' blood is the one that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and the sins of the world. Now, if I back up to the other one where I was trying to read before, let's go here to John chapter 3. And I, did I do it right? Am I, am I totally messed up still? Am I got it right now? This is one we haven't read. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone with earthly possession sees his brother in need, but without, has, without withholds compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us love not in word and speech, but in action and in truth. And by this we'll know that we belong to the truth, and we'll, and, and we'll assure our hearts in his presence. Even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And we will receive whatever uh, we ask because we keep his commandments and do whatever is pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we should love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments remains in love, and by this we know that he remains in us, by the spirit he has given us. So we see a major emphasis in love, and we also see a major emphasis on obedience and a clear conscience. So together with these passages... Okay, we see a major emphasis in love, major emphasis in obedience, and then also we see emphasis here about fellowship. And when all of these things come together, 
when all of these things come together, one second, getting back to my notes. I'm so sorry. Um, there's a couple things here that I think is very clear that we need to consider concerning sin and righteousness. I should not have double-sided printed these pages. I am so sorry. That is exactly what happened, trying to get creative with this. Um, what, what I want to emphasize here concerning love is that um, it's, not just about, um, it's not just about any kind of love. It's about obedience. When you look at Jesus at the end of his life, he's, at the farewell discourse, he talks about how his disciples are going to be known throughout the world as his disciples because they love one another. And so one of the things we need to be careful about, though, is that sometimes the way that we're portraying love, sometimes the way that we're portraying justice is not the way that the Lord wants us to portray these things. So I want to back up a bit um, and give you a little bit of a church history lesson here. Whenever um, I grew up in the church, there was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of, um, a lot of people talking a bit about sin, and they're emphasizing sin in a way that I think was very biblical in some ways, but they weren't doing it by the Spirit. And so those of us who remember way back to fundamentalism, way back to that era, you remember feeling judged. You remember feeling harsh. Um, and then one of the things that I think is important for us to realize is there's been a shift in our culture now where love's not talked about um, in, in the same way as it was back then. Sin's not talked about in the same way it is back then. Love has now been emphasized in a way that it totally overshadows sin. And whenever it overshadows sin now, um, the emphasis now become the idea of love is love. So one of the things that our culture has tried to do in order to solve this is just to try to sidestep the issue and say love is love. And that's really like moving the target. And it makes it so that we're, it, it, there's no real target to say this is exactly what love is. We're told in Scripture, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We're told in Scripture that this is how we know what love is. And so the idea really is that the, through the law, through obedience, we're actually able to understand this is what love actually is. And if we're going to say that we love and we're not following Christ's commandments, then we're actually not able to walk through these things. So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of God's perfect love, because there are things out there that are actually uh, attempts to not be, attempts to love that are actually not biblically loving. So the first thing is not all love is expressions of God's perfect love. One of the things I want to encourage you all with is to not let the lies concerning loneliness and, your, um, and lies concerning your identity to drive you to do things that are outside of God's will. Don't try to move the target. Don't try to buy the lie that you don't deserve to be loved. Um, and we need to realize that a lot of our attempts to love actually have collateral damage. So we've talked a little bit before about the idea of worry and fear and anxiety and some of these other things, how these things often are our attempt to try to fix things. It's our attempt to try to love. And a lot of us have had mothers or fathers or other people in our relationships where the way that they tried to express love ended up being smothering or hurtful to us. Um, and it ended up with us going in a search for us to try to find love in some other way as well. And one of the things in the last couple of years that's come up is the idea of if you're going to love other people, that you're going to live in fear. That's not what I think the media is saying. That's not what I think other people are trying to say. But that's how we've interpreted it a lot of times. A lot of us end up realizing if we were to feel comfortable if we were to feel at peace, if we were to trust the Lord in some of these things, take, taking good measures, but if we were to walk these things out, um, then we would feel as though we were being unloving because we were too comfortable with, with bad situations. So getting to Galatians 6 now. One of the things we need to remember is we shouldn't become weary in doing what's good. So last passage. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin... 
who you live, um, those of you who live in the Spirit should restore a person gently, but watch yourselves, uh, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one of us should test their own actions, and then they can take pride in themselves alone. Without comparing themselves to anyone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows from the spirit um, will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we have opportunity. Let's do good to all people, especially those who belong in the family of believers. So when it comes to sin, those of us who live in the spirit are supposed to bring about correction. We're supposed to carry one another's burdens and fulfill the law. But if we're not living in the spirit, um, if we are um, not the ones then that are supposed to be correcting. And so you might be the one who notices someone's sin immediately, but the important thing is for you then to go to the Lord and ask, Lord, am I the one who's supposed to correct this? Especially those of you who are very law-driven, very justice-driven, you're going to feel as though this needs to be dealt with right now before it spreads. I have to say something right now. No one else is saying anything. Why isn't anyone saying anything? And you'll feel as though you need to say something in that moment. That is not practicing self-control. That is not practicing walking in the Spirit. That's not necessarily practicing any of the fruits of the Spirit whatsoever. And this is mostly the life that I've lived most of my life. So I'm speaking from experience in this because I'm often the one who says, this is wrong, this needs to change, we need to do something. And people will champion me either because they don't want to do it or because they know it needs to change, but it's not necessarily waiting on the Lord's timing on what's going on. And so if, we, if we're looking at this passage, it's important for us to realize, our, even though you might not have said something, some of you have never corrected anything verbally, like in a very long time. I don't want to say in your life, but you've tried not to, but your expressions, your verbal expressions, or your facial expressions, or your body language has said it all. And so you think you've not said anything. You think you're being nice, but you're still not walking in the spirit. And it still comes through and everything about what's going on with all of this. So that's kind of depressing and sad for me in some ways, because I realize I've been focusing so much on words that I miss the point of some of these relationship aspects of all this going on. And so I think with us, we need to be very careful. And, and this is what was going on, I think, a lot in the 80s and the 90s, where many people were so law-driven that there was not much spirit in it. In fact, the Holy Spirit wasn't even much talked about in a lot of these churches where they're focusing so much on holding forth to God's word. And then we saw a lot of our children end up leaving the church because they felt like it was smothering. So much so now when you share a gospel of grace, people eat it up. But at the same time, often it's a gospel of grace that has no law, has no commitment to Jesus whatsoever. It's not walking with him in any way other than admiring him for being a great man and not even reading what he did in the historical path. So... Um, if we're going to be living in the Spirit, if we're, not, uh, if we're not living in the Spirit, perhaps we shouldn't be correcting people. Um, so when we look down through Galatians, all of us, we're supposed to not deceive ourselves by assigning ourselves our own identity. We're, not, we're supposed to test our actions without comparison to others or, um, remain, uh, and remember the law of sowing and reaping. Keep in mind, if we sow something, it's going to come back. And so much of the problem of evil is the, is the stuff that we've sown in the ground ourselves, the stuff our family has sown in the ground ourselves. And the Lord can till that up. He can sow new things. 
And we're just often in this perpetual cycle of we're sowing these things all around us and we don't realize that we're blowing up our own culture all around us, but the Lord is going to teach us how to sow these seeds and how to have these things come about. So um, allow your planning today to give you hope for tomorrow and do good to all people, especially to those in the family of believers. All right. So I, I consider most of this a thorough train wreck in one sense. And so if anything's going to happen here today, it's going to be because the Lord has done something in this. All right. So um, I, I can turn that into analogy of our own lives here when it comes to, to sinfulness as well. Whenever, whenever, one of the things that I really appreciated about this weekend at Man Camp was whenever we shot and someone came anywhere near the target, we cheered. We were excited about it. You didn't even think about it. You just cheered for that person. And sometimes they missed pretty far, and then they shot again, and they were closer. I'm like, that's good. That's a little closer. And, and by that encouragement, they were able to shoot closer and closer and closer. And again, we weren't upset if they missed it by accident. But if they were intentionally trying to shoot the arrows straight up into the air or things like that that could be seriously dangerous, there's a big difference here. And so some of you are trying in the flesh to, to accomplish righteousness. You're not walking in the Spirit and, you're, and the enemy is shaming you for it. He's like one of these people that encourages you to do something and then mocks you after you do it. And so we need to understand where the target that the Lord is sending us toward, many of us now would just like to pretend the target is even there. Because then it doesn't feel like we missed. Many of us feel like we can set up our targets anywhere we want. And we feel as though if we are making a decision with a certain group of people to act and live and do a certain thing at a certain time, well then... Um, that, that's okay because we're not hurting anybody. We're all agreeing to do this together. But it's possible that you're hurting yourself and you're mutually hurting each other and the way that you're trying to express love is actually not loving because it's not fitting the perfect love that God has. Uh, but sometimes when you just feel unloved, you feel alone, you just feel like, well, I'll take what I can get. You know, I'll take this kind of love or this kind of affirmation. Um, and we feel as though we're so condemned by our sinfulness one of the things that is kind of amazing right now, and I'll, I'll wrap up after this. One of the things that is amazing right now is even though most churches have stopped talking about sin that I've seen as I watch TV, you know, these churches on TV, churches I attend in different places, I don't hear um, them talking about sin much. People are still talking about how hateful the church is and how it condemns them. Um, and then when I read their blog posts, when I read their excerpts from their journal that they post up online, most of the time, they're confusing sin and uh, guilt with shame. And they're, they're feeling shame, and then they're blaming on someone else. Surely someone else is giving me this shame. But often, what they'll do is they'll say, I, they'll actually put the word self in front of it. Watch, watch for the word self. Often, they're self-measuring, they're self-condemning, and then they get upset with other people for pointing out that there is there's righteousness out there. So I think as we look to the future of Grace Church, as we look to the future of the church as a whole post-COVID and what everything's going to be, because um, the church has been thoroughly demonized now. Everybody makes their straw men of what the church has done or what the church has said. It's important for us to have this balance. We have to think about sin is a real thing. And the only way we know what it is is we read the scriptures and we walk in the spirit. If we're not reading the scriptures and seeing what God has put in black and white and being led by his spirit, then we're not going to be able to love well. We're going to love out of good intentions we're going to love out of man-made broken hearts of stone and flesh mixed together, but we're not going to walk out love. So what I'm going to suggest is, even though these conversations are often difficult to have concerning love, 
Sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to enter that conversation, but sometimes you just need to enter into love with the Lord. And you need to ask the Lord, how do I love myself? How do I love other people like I love myself? How do I love you in this circumstance? And some of you, even though you believe this idea of by them, um, they'll know their disciple, um, if, um, if we walk in love, well, um, keep in mind, Judas was among Jesus all this time. And he was under a different kind of discipleship. He grew bitter and he grew angry. And if you're trying to shoot this target and you can't hit it, you might need to move closer. Some of you are trying to do too much. Some of you are trying to please too many people. Some of you are, are trying to measure things from distance. Move closer. Do you ever see a kid do this where he shoots like three or four times? No one's looking. He gathers up his arrows and jams it in the center and then gets everyone's attention. You know, I think in the Lord's eyes, that's okay. Now you can shoot from the front. You, can jam, you don't have to use a bow with this. You can get to the front, jam it in the hole, and it's okay here in the front. And so think about it from the standpoint of the Lord. The Lord isn't asking you to shoot a, shoot a bow from 20 yards away. He's asking you just to come close to him, shoot close, get to know him, be discipled by him, and he is going to lead you in this law of love. So let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We've made a mess of things in this world. We've made a mess of things as your church. Lord, you've prayed for unity. You've prayed that we would show your love. And Lord, we've shown some twisted form of man's anger and judgment at different times. But Lord, there have been those people that have shown love. They've loved us. They've cared for us. Lord, I pray, would you help us? Everyone here, Lord, in this room, would you help them to see those people who've loved them in the way that you have loved them. So Lord, I ask, would you just bring everyone's mind to rest and heart to peace? And would you just bring to their heart and mind those moments when your love was shown to them through others? Lord, I ask that you would fan the flame of this love. Help us to walk in faithfulness, not so concerned about the target that we hate ourselves because we miss. Lord, help us to walk in this love. Disciple us as we learn to shoot better and better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.